This is Real Estate Rookie episode 329er. What was your actual out-of-pocket expense to purchase this duplex? Uh, I think I paid like 80 bucks for a pest inspection. What was the purchase price on this, on the duplex? Uh, it was 256. You're controlling a $256,000 asset with $80. Yeah, yeah, basically, so. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with my co-host, Tony J. Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And every once in a while, uh, Ash and I bring on a guest where we both get to kind of learn something new. And today was one of those episodes where we learned a lot about a special type of loan uh, that allows you to have $0 down, no PMI, and potentially no closing costs if you can negotiate the right way. But you also had to serve in the military. And thank you to anyone who has served. Uh, we really appreciate your service. This episode is for you. Or if you know anybody that has a military experience or maybe your spouse or significant other even. But not only do we talk about the benefits of this loan product that you can get if you are somebody wanting to get into house hacking Clint, our guest today, also talks about how he was able to house hack his property and um, how he actually set that up to be beneficial. And then he also became a one-sixth owner in uh, kind of a, a really big real estate deal. If you compare his first purchase, his second purchase, and then all to his third purchase, um, the the big price difference in that and how he was able to to do that strategy. And it's all about partnerships and being able to grow and scale. So do not forget to visit biggerpockets.com slash partnerships. You'll also learn in Clint's conversation with us uh, how to build your credit. So if you're someone who is either just starting out or you know maybe you've been a, a Dave Ramsey evangelist for a long time, you don't have a credit score, you're like, how do I get started? Clint is going to give you the answer and how he did it in his own life. Uh, so really excited for you guys to hear what Clint has to say. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent. T-O, retirement.com, or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages, until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a deal machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act 
a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Well, Clint, thank you so much for coming on the Real Estate Rookie show today. Tell us a little bit about life before real estate. Yeah. So uh, before real estate, I was uh, probably junior or uh, sophomore year in college. And basically, you know, I, I knew I wanted to get into real estate. I just didn't really know how at the moment. What ended up happening, it was like perfect timing. I I was in college going to school. I, I'm in the Air National Guard, so I was getting my school paid for. And so I didn't have many expenses. I was also living at home. Uh, and then, you know, this opportunity, uh, popped up where I could go on a deployment. And so I volunteered to go on this deployment and, you know, went on a, a deployment for, I think it was nine months. I was in, uh, you know, Jordan for two months or eight months. And then I was in Kuwait for two months that allowed me to save some money and everything. And then I was able to, you know, start my process and actually looking at real estate and kind of really taking hold of it. And with that money you had saved, why real estate of all things that you could, you know, spend your money on? What made you decide, like, I don't want to invest in the stock market or I don't want to buy a new car? What made you decide on real estate? Yeah. So um, real estate really was something I, w I wanted to invest in because I so before the deployment, back up a little more, I guess, uh, before the deployment, I started a, a Roth IRA. I put money into it and everything. And it was rising up fairly well and everything. And then, you know, whenever I got back home, uh, COVID was actually starting and everything. So uh, once that started, a lot of the money that was in it just plummeted. And I, I understand, you know, it'll come back up and stuff like that. But I wanted something that was a little more secure. Uh, and real estate, in my opinion, is an investment that I know what it is. Like I know, you know, how many bedrooms are in a property. I know how to fix it up and stuff with a IRA or anything like that. I don't, I don't have any control. I feel like over like what I'm investing in. So I just kind of wanted to control aspect, I guess. And what was kind of your goal as to how much money to save? Uh, well, so whenever I was on the deployment, uh, basically I was just saving as much as I, as I could. I was an E4, so I wasn't making a whole lot of money in general. I think it was like 38,000 tax free. That's what I made over those nine months. But along with that, I think I spent maybe three grand over those nine months. So I was able to stay, save up quite a bit of money uh, whenever I came home. And then that's whenever I was really starting to, to look into, you know, buying a property. Well, Clint, thank you so much for your service. Um, we really appreciate it. So tell us about once you come home and is that when you started looking for properties or was there a period of time before you kind of decided what you wanted to do? Yeah. So I really didn't know what I wanted to invest in. My whole mindset at the time was I'm going to go home, buy a property, and then, you know, then I'll be out of my parents' house and everything. And so that's kind of what my motivation was at the time. I wasn't really thinking about it as like an investment. And on the deployment, we had lots of downtime and stuff. So whenever I wasn't doing anything, I would just be on Zillow or Realtor.com looking at properties. I would find all kinds of properties and save them, even though I was like four or five months away from actually being able to be back home. And those properties would be sold and everything by then. So it was just constant, you know, hold on the market that I was looking at. And once I got home, I tried to actually like make an offer on a property uh, but first I wanted to get pre-qualified and everything. And that's whenever I ran into a lot of issues because I didn't have any credit. I just had no debt. Like I always, I paid for my, my first vehicle in cash. So I didn't have any debt or anything like that or any credit cards. That's kind of my first experience of, you know, trying to figure out, okay, you know, what it takes to, to buy a property. So what actually shows up on your credit report when you have no credit? Is it just zero or does it show like super low? What does it 
What does I have no credit actually look like, <laughs> I guess? Yeah, it, it basically just says like N.A. So it, it's, there's nothing there. Mm. Um, <laughs> okay. And yeah. so I'll, in my uh, the banker that I was using, he goes, you know, it's either, you know, it can be a, a good sign or it's, you know, a terrible sign. So fast forward a little bit, I guess. Um, whenever I started my my act, the job I'm working now. Um, I kind of learned about credit. And then from there, I was actually able to, you know, get a credit card and start working on that. Clint, I, I want to touch on a little bit in a second here, how you actually built that credit up to put yourself in a position to start buying real estate. But I just, I just want to take a step back here first. Um, there's a lot of Dave Ramsey evangelists, you know, that, uh, that love everything that, that Dave Ramsey has to, has to say. And, you know, Ashley and I talk about this a lot, that there's a lot of validity in what he says about managing your personal finances, living, you know, below your means and, and not being financially irresponsible. However, um, unless you make millions of dollars a year, you know, tens of millions like Dave Ramsey does, chances are you're probably going to need some debt at some point in your life, right? And especially if you want to become a real estate investor. So just for, for our rookies that are listening, if you're currently on your Dave Ramsey kick, I think, you know, continue to get rid of uh, a lot of that consumer debt, but also try and be smart about how to start building your credit profile to put yourself in a position to buy real estate. Otherwise, you could be like Clint, where maybe you've saved up all this money, but then you go to a bank and they're like, you're like a ghost. <laughs> you know, you, you haven't been anywhere. Like, we don't even know if you're a real person or not. So, Clint, I, I guess the, the question that I have for you is, how did you go about actually building your credit from literally a, an NA on your credit report to getting to a point where you are uh, in some way bankable? Yeah. So, I mean, I, and I was on the Dave Ramsey kick for a long time too. In college, I was like listening to his podcast and everything, you know, I would listen to him for hours and I thought, you know, he was amazing, but he's really good at like debt consolidation for like credit cards and stuff. But in terms of, you know, buy a house in cash, like that's just not reasonable. Yeah. So some of the things that I did in terms of, you know, building credit was I got a credit card, like just a basic, uh, discovery credit card. Um, I think my credit limit was like $500. So super small. I had that for about six months before I actually, you know, started to receive a credit score. I don't honestly know the other factors, but it took six months for me to get my actual credit score. From there, you know, I just kept, you know, spending about 20 to 30% of that $500 or so. And then you pay it off at the end of the month every time and just don't let it, you know, stack up or anything like that. Tony, I just want to touch on quick too. And Clint, since you're kind of sharing this journey about it is to maybe somebody's never even looked at what their credit is. And um, one way to do that is to sign up for a free account at someplace like creditkarma.com or there's, you can actually pull your credit once a year, I think it is. And um, you can pull it yourself. You go to, I think it's, I don't know, just Google, pull my credit through a government agency and make sure it's like .gov website you're going through yeah. and you can pull your, pull your uh, credit yourself and it will show you everything on there and you're able to do that once a year and it will not have any impact on your credit. But I just, uh, so I use credit karma and I'll look at it and it's not always super accurate because it's not exactly actually pulling like your hard data, but it will break down um, for you the things that your credit score actually takes into consideration. So the first is payment history. Um, it's showing that you consistently made payments. The next is credit card util utilization. So that if your, your credit limit on your credit cards is say maybe between three credit cards, you have $10,000 available. And um, the rule of thumb is you want to stay under 30%. Um, utilization of whatever that is. And then derogatory marks. So if you know, if you have anything in collections, you have late payments, bankruptcies, um, credit age. So if you've opened a credit card 10 years ago, and then you decide to close that, you no longer have that 10 years of credit history. And now all of a sudden you have one year of credit history. Um, so they, they take that into an account and then also the total accounts. So, you know, how many credit cards do you have open? How many student loans do you have opened? And then also hard inquiries. So this is usually when a financial institution will pull your credit report. Um, the more hard inquiries you have, um, then the more it can impact your your credit score. And then there's also soft inquiries where it doesn't make a an impact at all in your your credit score. Ash, that was a great breakdown. Um 
and uh, I really encourage everyone to be using Credit Karma. Um, side note: I uh, I like wrecked my credit score uh, like last year because I had a, a a an electric bill or a gas bill from one of my properties in Shreveport, like the very last one that I sold off. And they sent the final bill to the property. And like, you know, I never send up, set up any like mail forwarding for that property. Anyway, that property ends up going to collections over like a $200 gas bill. Um, so I had to like fight with them to, to get that fixed. But um, Clint, Clint, I'm curious, um, well, like if you had to kind of give your credit building 101 uh, for our rookie audience, what would that look like? Would you encourage them to go out and get a $500 credit card and pay it off every single month? Um, like what, what, what would your advice be to someone who's in a similar situation? Exactly what I would do. Like I would say, you know, so my instance, you know, it, it really hurt me on my first property, uh, not having any credit. So what I would do is I would definitely tell someone go out get an easy credit card that you can pay off. And, you know, just like uh, Ashley was saying, you know, utilize only 30% of that actual credit limit and spend and uh, pay that off each month. Uh, also, you can ask for like increasing your credit limit, basically, is like those auto increases that happen. Uh, you can actually request, you know, an increase. And that was something that I wanted to do because I wanted to put, you know, most of my uh, monthly expenses on my credit card to where I could get at least some points back. Uh, rather than just using my debit card and stuff. So I always uh, was calling, you know, discover every like couple minutes or a couple uh, months and, you know, just having <laughs> every, them, couple <laughs> every couple minutes, every couple minutes. Yeah. But Clint, you, you bring up something uh, that I, I feel like doesn't get talked about enough, but is kind of putting those regular expenses onto your credit card. Um, we run, we run a lot of our business expenses through our credit cards as well. And, you know, I'm on vacation right now in, in Huntington beach, California, and this entire trip was pretty much covered by our points. Um, so we, we vacationed a ton, uh, by using the points that our credit cards give us. Um, I think Ash and I both use the, the chase Sapphire card, mm -hmm. love that card. Um, I just recently got like the, the Amex gold card I heard was like good for travel. So I just got that one as well. Ash, I think you have the, the Southwest card too. You've got like a couple. I've got like eight cards. of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love travel hacking. I, I just opened like another one recently for another, cause like every LLC, you can open a couple of them and it's like the hundred, when they do the hundred thousand dollar point sign up bonus, right. you know, you have to spend $3,000 in the first three months. Okay. I can spend that in one week for one of the properties, you know, right. like, um, but yeah, the, the travel hacking, the, the points guy.com is a great resource. Um, ant.cara on Instagram. She talks about a lot. There's a, definitely a lot of, uh, travel websites out there that talk about using credit card or points, but just as uh, Dave Ramsey would advise, like not to use them. We also say if you've had a problem with credit cards and being able to pay them off, maybe this is not the right strategy for you right now to to try the travel hacking with points. But that's why I think if you're setting it up where it's like, these are things that I'm going to be spending money on anyway, and I'm just putting on the credit card and then turn around and paying them off. Like I, we, we probably go in like every couple of days to pay down uh, most of our credit card balances. So yeah. we, we yeah. try not to let anything roll, you know. Um, but so Clint, you, you do all this work to build up your credit. Um, how long after that first credit card are you, I guess, how long does it take before you become, I guess, like credit worthy to actually get a loan on a, on a property? Well, so at the second I showed a, uh, a credit score, uh, after having it for six months, it wasn't a good credit score. It was like in the 640 range, somewhere like that. And I was actually closing on a house. I want to say it was like three months after I showed a, a credit score. So I think, and with the VA loan, like the lender I used, you know, they can kind of dictate what their credit limits are and stuff like that. But their requirement was a 620 credit score at the time. So I, I basically kind of snuck in there with the 620 or the 640. But yeah, like it, I also just got more credit cards as well. I have the Chase Sapphire. Um, and then I also have like the, um, chase freedom, I believe for like daily spending. Um, but I know that you could like pair those up together to where you have both of those points. Um, and so that's what my girlfriend and I are actually doing in December. We're going to go to Europe and, uh, we have about a thousand dollars in points that we can go spend. So that's something, awesome. uh, that's super you know, cool. just get more, uh, streams of credit are definitely 
it's a lot easier to build your credit whenever you have multiple credit cards. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have someone leave a review in the podcast saying I took the advice from Clint, Tony, and Ashley, and I'm a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt. This is the worst podcast ever. But I also am going to gear up for three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'll but, paid for. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Clint, I I want to go back to that first deal, right? Because and and help me just kind of understand the timeline here. So you're saying that um, you got that first deal about ninety days after your credit report finally showed something. Am I understanding that correctly? Well, so that would be the property I'm currently in. My first property was whenever I didn't have any credit. I had just come home from the deployment. And basically, my brother and I were going to move up to Columbia at some point. Uh, So we were like, okay, well, let's find a place. And we were looking around. We couldn't really find anything. So we decided to rent in Columbia. Uh, But then uh, after we signed our lease and everything, a property popped up uh, in Columbia. It was a two-bed one bath, just condo. And it was priced at 76,000. So it was pretty cheap. And wait, sorry. And, and Clint, when you say Columbia, are you talking about like Columbia, the country in South America? Or, or is uh, this like a state? Sorry, or, no, Columbia, Missouri. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> <All right>. yeah <laughs> two, no. Uh, two, two very different places. Right. Yeah, very plain here. <laughs> you, you mean you don't know Missouri, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> never, never heard of Columbia, Missouri. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, basically we moved up to Columbia, Missouri and yeah, we, we, uh, signed a lease. Uh, then we found this property. It was very cheap. So my brother and I were like, okay, well let's try to buy it and make it an investment property before we even, you know, have our own property. And so we viewed the property and then we actually, you know, said an offer that they accepted, but we didn't, we weren't even pre-approved. We didn't, this was like our first time going through this whole thing. So they waited on us to get like a pre-approval letter for like, five days or so, which now you wouldn't be able to do that. Now the market's so crazy. (laughs) But uh, at the time, yeah, we were, we ran to our bank and then they were like, uh, it'll be, you know, since you guys have no credit, it'll be 20% down. And we're like 20% down on a $76,000 loan. Like it it was annoying, but we did it. And it was like a three-year arm uh, at like four and a half percent. So we were doing that. And, uh, we got a tenant in like the next, I think it was like a week after we closed and got a tenant in and then they were paying that mortgage. And I think we were only cash flowing like $25 each. It wasn't much because it was that three-year arm. Explain what a, an arm is and the three-year arm. Yes. So basically uh, with the arm, you you have a set rate for, you know, it was a four and a half percent interest rate for those first three years. And then after that, it kind of balloons up. And you can, you know, pay the rest off or you can actually, you can just, uh, you know, refinance, so to speak, into whatever the current rates are for that. So I I just want to comment really quickly because um, the ARM, the adjustable rate mortgage um, is something that, you know, it's it's kind of a hate it or love it type thing, right? You see some investors who uh, really hate the idea of an ARM because some of the I guess the the potential downside of an adjustable rate mortgage is say that someone bought a property in, you know, 2021. Uh maybe they locked in like a 3% arm and they were cash flowing, you know, whatever, several hundred bucks a month at that 3%. And now they had to refinance in, you know, 2023 or 2024 when interest rates have gone up to 7 or 8%. Um, you know, I just closed a refi at almost 9%, it was like 8.7 that arm now could potentially make that deal, um, you know, negative cash flow and un- unprofitable. Um, so there, there are some risks and some benefits with the arm, I guess, Clint, for, for you guys, what made you comfortable? And I know this was your first deal and maybe you weren't even thinking this far, but I guess what, what made you guys comfortable with the idea of using the arm for that first deal? So like I was saying, whenever I, uh, went on the deployment, I saved like $35,000, so 20% divided by my brother and me, it really wasn't a whole lot for me to invest. And so I felt, you know, it was like, I think seven grand for me or seven and a half. And so I was fine with just making that investment for, you know, the three years. And our idea was, you know, before the three years was up, we would just sell it uh, for whatever it appraised at. And then, you know, take our money and kind of invest into something that we actually, you know, see long term. With the the arm mortgage, I I've done a bunch of commercial mortgages. Well, even though they're not really called adjustable rate mortgages, they end up 
going to adjust after a certain amount of time of being fixed, right? So typically it's a five-year fixed or 10-year fixed, and then they adjust or the loan actually ends and you have to go and refinance on the loan, but it can go to variable. So I recently did my first uh, residential mortgage doing the ARM and I actually was just trying to like search it real quick because I I can't even remember if it was a five-year arm or a seven-year arm um, is what one we did, but I didn't find it fast enough. But um, what we did with that one is we were able to get a way lower interest rate than what we could have if we did a 30-year fixed. So we're taking a risk. We're having a lower payment now, but also I really thought the loan officer was super great and informational at explaining exactly what would happen, your worst case scenario, your best case scenario, giving it all to me in writing as to like the minimum your interest rate will ever go is 5%. And it's at 5.25 right now for the next five or seven years, whatever it is, which is great rate right now. Like you can't find that anywhere. And this was just uh, last June, I think it was that it closed. So not that long ago. And, but then it says like your interest rate can go up to 12%. Like that is the max that can do. And when it is that, that five, one arm. So the first year, the max. So after the five years, that first initial year will only go up to 6%. And it's that one year difference. Then after that, it will go up to whatever current rates are. So with that, we kind of looked at the property and said, okay, in that time frame we are able to pay off a chunk of that loan and we could go and refinance the lower balance that would, you know, even if it is a higher interest rate at, you know, whatever the market rates are, our payment will still be affordable because we can pay off that certain amount of it. And that's like the worst case scenario for us. Best case scenario over those next five or seven years, interest rates have come down and we can go and refinance at any time to get that locked in 30 year rate. Downside, we have to pay closing costs twice, but could be worth it if you're saving money long-term on the interest rate. So this is my first time using that. And, but I looked at it more and it's like, it's very comparable to what you're dealing with on the commercial side of lending. Like you only get those rates for five or 10 years. And sometimes those are even only amortized over 15 or 20 years and not even 30 years. So you're, you're just kind of taking the risk I have with all the commercial properties that are in LLCs. So uh, it sounds like Ash, there, there's like a, a time and place uh, where the arm does make sense. And I, yeah. I love your, your kind of idea of, Hey, what's the worst case scenario here? And, you know, could, could we live with that worst case scenario? Um, Clint, I, I think it sounds like you used the best option you had available at the time. And I think for our rookies, that's an important lesson as well is that sometimes you just, you just gotta, you know, you're not looking for a home run on that first deal. You're, you're just trying to get on base and, and it sounds like that's what you did. So, um, I guess what was the outcome of that first deal and how did it kind of, I guess, push you into that, that second deal? Yeah. So basically what happened was we, we were renting it out, you know, um, nine months goes by and our lease starts to end that we were actually like renting from, and so my brother, he wanted to move to St. Louis and, you know, he, he needed money basically in order to move to St. Louis and the money that was in this property was tying him up. At first I thought about refinancing with him to where it was just solely my ownership. But then I was like, I don't really know if I want to hold on to this property or not. Looking back on it, I probably should have. But at the time I was like, no, like, fine, we'll just, we saw that prices for those uh, condos had been rising. And so we were like, okay, well, let's just list it on the market and, you know, see what happens. So we listed it on the market for like, I think it was just under 90,000, maybe like 89. And this was only nine months after we had closed on the property. And so we got a, a cash offer for, uh, like 88 or 89, something like that, uh, nine months later. And I think after realtor fees though, and everything, I'm pretty sure my brother and I only profited about $1,000 each, something like that. It was very minimal, but it was a good introduction into, you know, owning real estate and everything like that. The property itself was very easy uh, to maintain. I think the first, actually the first week that uh, we owned it, the tenant was coming in, you know, towards the end of the week. And the, se the second she got in, her ceiling fan in the master bedroom uh, 
was just hanging by the wiring uh, for some, I was like, this could like, especially like, over the bed. That makes it even worse. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, like, Oh yeah. my God, what if that actually <laughs> fell? Well, and I was like, you know, what are the odds of that with, you know, yeah. <laughs> and this was the first week you said, of yeah, owning first it? week, very first yeah, week. Yeah. <laughs> Introduction of being a landlord, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, that was a very easy fix, but at the time, like I had no idea about how to do anything. So I watched a YouTube video, had my friend help me and we fixed it. Isn't it crazy how like when, when you first start investing, like everything seems like a crisis, you know, you're like, oh my God, the ceiling fan is like hanging. Like, what am I going to do? And, you know, now it's just like you send a text and like, you don't, you don't lose sleep over it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it, I mean, you it just, just going back to the deal, Clint, you said that you and your brother only profited like a thousand bucks, but I mean, it's like you guys bought the property, got cash flow during that time, and then we're, we're still able to get an additional kind of chunk of cash when you exited. That's a solid first deal, right? Um, and it allowed your brother, I'm assuming he made his move to St. Louis, like after you guys did that. And just to clarify, St. Louis for everyone that's wondering is also a city in Missouri. This is not St. <laughs> Louis, the a country in, in South America. Um, but it, 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 it allowed you guys to kind of move on to, to the next phases of, of your real estate career. So yeah. uh, I guess kind of tee us up now, Clint, for that, that second property. So you didn't, didn't have any credit on that first one, uh, 20% down, you, you have the arm. Now that you've kind of been building your credit while this first deal is is running, what does it look like for that second go around with the second property from a financing perspective? Yeah, so the second property, um, you know, I, I was looking for a property uh, for me and my girlfriend to live in, and at the time, I was just looking for a single family property. I was like, you know, I I just got to get out of renting, and if I'm paying my own mortgage, mortgage, that's fine. Like at least money's going to be coming back to me whenever I do sell. Uh, so I was, I was completely fine with just buying a single family property and we looked at a couple and we really liked them. Uh, but that, at that time with COVID and everything, you make an offer for say the property's 250, you make an offer. And at the time, the final purchase price would be like 290. And so half we were, a million, uh, right? Something crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, we, were, yeah. we were constantly getting outbid and we were honestly getting really defeated about it. And I randomly saw a duplex, um, in Ashland, Missouri, which is just slightly lower than Columbia, Missouri. Uh, but basically it was a, a nice duplex and it was for sale. And I, I checked it out. The only thing is that it was kind of a, it was a bad road in order to get to Columbia where I work. And so I was like, I don't really want to do this, but the real estate agent said, Oh, well there's three on the other side of the highway, um, to where you don't have to worry about the road. And you know, there's three lined up and that one has like a new water heater and new roof. So I was like, okay, well let's go ch check it out. I didn't even go inside. I was just like, I walked, you know, around the sidewalk and then I was like, okay, well let's, let's make an offer on it and see where it goes type of thing. So Clint, what gave you the confidence to, you know, just look at the outside of the property and decide like, I know what I can offer on this. I would say, uh, you know, for the most part, it, it might've been, uh, I was looking at properties, you know, single family homes, and I wasn't going to charge my girlfriend a whole lot for rent because she's has student loans and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, don't wait, try to justify wait. it, Clint. You're playing favorites. Wait, no, I think what's what's funnier is that his reason for not charging her was because of student loans and not because it's his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she's she's trying to get ahead, you know, and stuff like that. So you're a ruthless businessman, Clint. I love it. My uh, cousin, she started dating this guy that had a duplex. And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. You're talking real estate investing. And then like a year later, she ended up moving in with him. And I was like, so you're house hacking now? And he's like, yeah, she has to pay all the utilities because I know she's going to be using more water and electric than me. He's like, I'm not going to make her pay rent, but I am house hacking because she's paying all the utilities. <laughs> I was like, good job. <laughs> but yeah, basically that was that was the whole thing. So I was like, okay, well, I want to keep her, uh, you know, I wanted, I wasn't going to make her pay half the mortgage or anything like that. So I, uh, in the second, you know, I looked at this duplex, I go, well, half the mortgage will be paid right there. So, uh, it was a very easy decision for me to, you know, just buy a, a duplex and then have the other side pay for most of my mortgage. And then I could, you know, pay for whatever's left type of thing. So once you, once you find this property, you, you fall in love with it, you submit the offer. Um, how are you financing this? Is this another 20% down arm? Is there another option that you've discovered? Walk us through that piece. Yeah. So, uh, I, I used a VA loan. Um, the job that I work at right now, uh, they, 
uh, veteran generated home loans. Uh, basically, they're uh, number one VA purchasing lender in the country. Uh, and so very big on the, on the VA loan. And Clint, if you don't mind, just so, just so I can clarify for our rookies, what, what is a VA loan? Does that stand for virtual assistant? Like what, what is, what is VA? <laughs> uh, it just, uh, it's for, you know, service members and their families. Uh, you know, they can also, you know, if, if, a like say a service member passes away, there's instances where you could have that spouse, uh, like survivorship carry on to that VA loan. So it's really just a, a chance to give service members and their families a, a chance to, to own a property and everything like that. More specifically, like single family homes, like it's meant to be a primary home for uh, service members. And Clint, what are the, I guess, the advantages? Like why would a service member opt to use a VA loan versus a traditional FHA or all the other loan options that are out there? Yeah. So what interests me was with the VA loan, I didn't have to put any money down. Uh, which meant that I could, you know, use that money for renovations on the property and stuff like that, uh, which would inevitably, you know, increase rent and stuff like that as well. So it was really nice not having to really put a down payment down. Um, there's also no uh, PMI, you know, insurance throughout the duration of the loan. Can you explain what that is too, Clint? What PM PMI is? PMI. I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now as to the actual term. Property mortgage insurance, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Property mortgage Pro insurance. Or property or private? Private. Private, <laughs> private mortgage insurance. None of us know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Just explain what it is. <laughs> but, yeah, basically it's, you know, it's basically insurance that the bank has on you to pay until you hit that 20% mark of equity. Uh, and then, you know, with the first time home buyer loan, I believe it's the whole duration of that loan. So, uh, you might be able to refinance after a while into a different loan. But with the VA loan, the big incentive there is there's no PMI, you know, regardless of your down payment. If you guys listen to the real estate podcast, you know, they always do their quick tip. So here's a tip for anyone that, you know, put less than 20% down. If you are still paying that PMI on your mortgage, Talk to your loan officer about getting that removed because sometimes the bank will just do a desk appraisal where they will just say, yep, you're right. You have enough equity in your property where you have more than 20% equity. Even if you've only used it, owned it a year and you haven't even, you haven't paid down 20% of what you purchased it for. If you have enough appreciation in your area, you can go ahead and get that PMI removed. So, which can oftentimes can be actually Quite a few, like Big quick, difference. you know, a couple of hundred bucks. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Just a quick personal story. So we did that on our primary residence when we bought our, our first home back in 2018. It wasn't like a first time home buyer, but it was some kind of like loan assistance product from the builder. And um, we, you know, we had PMI when we first got the property. Uh, and I think it was less than a year. Um, we were able to show that the property, even though we hadn't paid down 20%, the uh, appraised value of the home had increased so that our spread, you know, we had gained yeah. that equity through the increased uh, value of the home. So we were able to reduce the, uh, or get rid of the PMI. And then we refinanced to bring down our interest rate. So we were, we're actually paying less now for our home than we were when we first bought it, even though the value of the home has increased. It's crazy. So yeah, yeah. highly encourage you to do that. Yeah. That's a, do you remember what that difference in payment was just taking the PMI off? It, oh gosh, I want to say our PMI was, it wasn't too much, but maybe it was like, you know, 200 bucks or something like but that. But still you know, like, that's, yeah, yeah. It, it's a big difference, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Clint, sorry, continue. So we're, we're talking, we're talking VA loans. So no down payment, which is fantastic. Uh, no PMI. Uh, are there closing costs uh, associated with this loan? Yeah. So with my job, I talk to potential buyers that are veterans and such. And a lot of them, you know, they hear 0% down and they think, okay, like it's a free loan and I don't have to pay anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that is something that, you know, it's a, while it is a 0% down loan, you do have to, uh, closing costs and stuff like that that go into it. So in my instance, you know, there was some things wrong with this property. So I got a credit and basically I got paid $3,000 in order to close on the property. Uh, so I, I had enough credits from just like, you know, the things that were wrong with the property. I, it didn't really matter if I, like, I, I didn't have any closing costs luckily. Uh, but usually with like a VA loan, closing costs can be a little more expensive. I, I would say, 
uh, in terms of, you know, conventional, but at the same time, like you're still putting no down payment. So, and there's no PMI. So I think it's, you know, something that veterans probably need to be more aware of. Uh, also this is really besides the point, but this is something that we see a lot is a lot of veterans are scared to get their credit pulled because they're like, Oh, I have a great score. I don't want to hurt my score. If you pull it once, like it might affect your credit, maybe three to five points. It's not like how the TVs advertise where, you know, don't check your credit. It'll kill your credit. It's, it's not that extreme. That That's just a little extra thing, I guess. So Clint, I just want to look at the numbers really quickly or, or kind of recap the numbers on this duplex. So you, with this VA loan, you had no down payment, you had no PMI, and you said you were able to get a credit from the seller to cover all of your actual closing costs. So what was your actual out-of-pocket expense to purchase this duplex? Uh, I think I paid like 80 bucks for a pest inspection. That was about it. But like I said, I had the I had the credits from the seller and everything. So that is fantastic, man. And I just want to give some context. What, what was the purchase price on this on the duplex? Uh, it was two fifty six. Wow. So you're you're controlling a two hundred and fifty six thousand dollar asset with eighty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> yeah. I was I was very you know. Look, looking back on it, like this was like one of the biggest blessings I, I could have asked for. Like I said, I, I didn't actually go into the property. And so I was, you know, I just made an offer, you know, without even viewing it. Uh, but that was actually the only time I got to see the property before I owned it was the pest inspection and the actual inspection. I showed up for that and was able to walk inside uh, to one of the sides. You know, they were smokers. So we had to do a lot of rehab uh, a lot of like kills on the walls and, you know, a lot of painting and stuff, but we got rid of the smoke smell and everything, uh, and redid, you know, all the floors, all did a whole bunch, like basically turned this place upside down, uh, in renovations solely because we, you know, didn't have to have any money put down as a down payment. So that money you saved, you had put towards the rehab. Did you do the rehab yourself or did you put your girlfriend to work or did you hire out a contractor? Uh, <laughs> Well, so it was actually, you know, me and my girlfriend for a while. We were, I mean, every day after work, she would go here and uh, paint or do whatever we had to do. Um, I work evenings, so I would come every morning and, and just be painting and fixing up whatever we needed to. I attempted to do flooring and bought some flooring off market, Facebook Marketplace. And <laughs> I guess I really messed up the square footage because I, I had maybe enough flooring to do half the living room. So I had to rip all that out. And then oh, no. uh, I hired flooring out. But <laughs> that was a learning mistake right there. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. 
Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best-selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch stage to the first order stage to the, did we just sell out the whole store stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets Bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I have a question real quick, Clint, about your and your girlfriend's situation. So, you know, Tony and I love about love partnerships and we love to plug our partnership book. So, you know, you've talked about your girlfriend paying, you know, some rent towards living there, also helping you with some of the rehab, things like that. Do you guys have any kind of agreement? What would happen? You know, eventually, you know, if you got married, would, you know, she get equity? Would you guys create an LLC and buy more businesses? Do you guys kind of have a a long-term plan or is this maybe just kind of your focus for now? And one of the reasons I ask is because my one uh, business partner, he actually dated a girl and he, with her dad, renovated the whole house. And he has such resentment to this day because the house was in her name and he did all this work and put this money into it and got nothing out of it when they ended up splitting up. So I'm just like curious, do you guys talk about those as morbid as it sounds like breaking up? What would happen? And do you guys have like future goals together as far as real estate investing? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's, everything's in my name. So, I mean, I guess if things came to that, you know, I would keep my property. <laughs> um, uh, and, but, you know, we, we have talked about it. And basically, you know, she does pay uh, some rent. It's it's not it's much lower than like the area around here. Yeah, she'd pay anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, she does. And the whole thing is like that allows me to save up more money to where I can do more renos. Um, and she's really not, you know, in a, she wasn't in a position to purchase a property or anything. So it, it allowed me to save up enough money to where I could go buy another property and just keep kind of doing the same thing. But yeah, she, I, I definitely, you know, if I was paying her for work, I definitely owe her, you know, a couple thousand. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clint, one of the things that I've seen, uh, or that I've heard about the VA loan, obviously all the, the amazing benefits of it, but there's also some limitations and, you know, give me like a, a, a quick gut check here to let me know if I'm correct. But what I've heard is that you can only have 
one VA loan at a time. So now that you've used your VA loan on this duplex, you basically can't use that loan again until you either sell or refinance this current property. Have you heard that? Is that a correct, I guess, understanding of how the VA loan works? Basically with the VA loan, you're allotted a certain sum of money. It's different from like a pre-approval, but basically you're allotted a certain sum. So I think in Missouri, it's seven hundred and twenty-six thousand dollars. Uh, and with the VA loan, you have to—it has to be your permanent residence for at least a year. So after a year came, you know, I started looking again into buying another property under the VA loan uh, because, like I said, if you minus you know seven hundred twenty-six thousand minus my two hundred fifty, like you still have over five hundred thousand left that you can use. So. I was looking into more duplexes or single family or something like that. But yeah, you can definitely have two VA loans uh, at a time. Uh, even, I mean, <laughs> you could have, if you bought $100,000 property, you could have $700,000 properties. So I will say the funding fee can go up after you use it more than uh, once. If you use the VA loan once, the funding fee, whenever you're closing is like 1.6%. And then every time after that, it's like 2.3%. I believe that's right. But yeah, that, you know, there's a lot of people that I talk to at work and they always, they're, they're talking and they're like, yeah, I used it back in, you know, 1960. So I can't use it anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. no, like it's a lifetime benefit. Like, are you still, you know, do you still own that property or yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely something that, you know, vets definitely need to know about. And I think that's something you know, that they could do in their future uh, if they wanted to buy prop more than one property and everything, keep it under that VA loan. Well, Clint, kind of wrap it up for us. Like what has happened since that duplex? What have you um, kind of been doing? Yeah. So since I closed on this property, we renovated it. We got my friends that live on the other side of the unit. We also, I guess it was last winter, one of the agents that I used for that commercial or that, that condo, the agent I use, she actually is kind of all over Columbia and she found this seven property unit that was kind of going up for sale along with like four, four acres that were undeveloped. And she was like, she's a big investor in Columbia as well. So I was kind of, you know, piggybacking off of her. And she said, you know, if you want, we could try to get some investors in on this and then we could buy it and then kind of go from there. So we closed on a, it's a, on the property, there's seven houses and four acres that are still undeveloped. Basically, we closed on that. Um, that was also an arm. And I believe we put, I think we put like 25% as a down payment. So it was a, a big chunk of, chunk of change there. But basically, I, I now own like one sixth of those seven properties. Cool. So you leverage partnerships to get into your next deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, awesome. And when was this one? When did you close on that? We closed on those seven properties uh, last December. So once we closed on those seven properties, I basically just kind of a passive investor with that. Uh, the real estate agent I went with, she has a she has a property management group as well. So she handles a lot of that. So I'm kind of just like a you know private investor in that in that regard. Uh, but ba basically the whole plan with that is after five years, we will uh, refinance that uh, the money that we've made in there and then put it towards other properties uh, in the future. But yeah, after after that property, it just so happened that a property two houses down from me currently went up for sale. It's a duplex as well. And I thought, you know, it'd be perfect. They have a new roof on it. And then they had like a newer water heater um, on one of the sides as well. So I was, I was like, that's perfect. Um, that's a big thing is I want to get away from the big ticket items uh, that might cost a lot. But yeah, with uh, along with that, like with the VA loan, I, I'm using that this time around as well on that property. If they would have had like a VA loan, I could have assumed that loan, uh, which would have allowed me to you know get a lower interest rate. Um, I think they bought it last year for our, they bought it last year. So, you know, interest rates were lower then. Uh, so that was something I was kind of interested in, you know, if by chance it was assumable, uh, just to keep that lower rate. Also I'm over uh 30% disabled, uh, with the VA. So 
anything over 10%, you're waived like the funding fee for uh, closing. And like I was saying earlier, that funding fee can be like 1.6%. And then every time after that, it could be like 2.3% of that loan. So it's actually like a decent amount of uh, money at closing. Uh, but if you're you know, a vet and you have a VA disability rating of 10% or higher, you know, that fee is kind of waived. So the, the VA loan is, is worked out really well for you, brother. So the, the next duplex, you'll be able to use that same loan product and ideally, hopefully, you know, maybe spend another 80 bucks to buy, <laughs> to buy another <laughs> property. Um, so Clint, I appreciate you sharing all that, man. I think Ash and I both learned, uh, a lot about the VA loan process and, and kind of how it works and some of the, the nuances that, uh, a lot of folks just aren't aware of. So appreciate you breaking that down for us. Uh, before we wrap things up, I just want to go to our Ricky request line. And for all of our Rickies that are listening, if you want your question featured on the show, just head over to biggerpockets.com slash reply. Um, and guys, you won't believe how many like episodes we had to go through before I could remember that URL for whatever reason. But anyway, it's biggerpockets.com slash reply. Um, but today's question comes from Carcine Blakely. And Carcine's question is, is there a way to structure a partnership with someone who wants to use a VA loan to buy a house, but they also need a co-signer to fully qualify? This will be a duplex or a quad. How would you structure that contract to benefit both parties? So, you know, you and the person that's getting the loan so that both of you are on, uh, like on, on title. So what would your advice be to that person, Clint? Gotcha. So it would kind of depend on the reason why they're not being able to qualify in the first place. Like, of course, you know, there's credit scores and stuff that you have to meet in terms of having like a co-signer for a VA loan. The co-signer would still have to pay, to my knowledge, they would still have to pay a down payment portion. I don't know exactly how much, but they would, they would have to pay a down payment in order to obtain the property. Uh, if you wanted to do something, you know, if it was strictly income or finances that were blocking them from buying the property, maybe that individual that wants to be the co-signer, whether it's a parent or uh, someone else, they could just, uh, you know, gift 10000 or whatever it might be to the actual VA recipient and then, you know, kind of work out a, a deal aside from everything as to how income comes to them and stuff like that. Gotcha. So one other follow-up question on that, Clint, um, when applying for the VA loan, if you're buying multifamily, like how you purchase a duplex, are they able to use the projected rents of the other side to help qualify you for that mortgage? In my instance, I can just go off of what I have. I was able to use like what my rent was getting, like what I was getting from my tenants at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we were able to kind of qualify off of. But I believe they can only trying to think, I believe they can only accept, or well, at least my lender was a hundred percent of, you know, what the mortgage payment is. So say the mortgage payment is $1,500, but you're getting a thousand dollars each side in rent. I think they can only qualify up to 1500 of that. That's just to my knowledge. I'm not hundred percent sure on that part. I've heard of some banks that similar to that, they'll do like a percentage of what the rental income is. Yeah. Of it, yeah. All right. So before we finish today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to this week's Ricky Rockstar. Today's Rockstar is Katie Avalos. And Katie says, closed on our fourth property and third property while living overseas. Thanks to Bigger Pockets. My husband and I live in Germany because he is currently active duty military. And I've had the time to listen to the BP podcast and I'm soaking up as much information as possible. The property's in Jackson, Mississippi. This is our first rehab out of the country, please wish us luck. But while we keep the current mortgage and pay off the loan for the rehab, it'll still cash flow almost 300 bucks. So Katie, congratulations to you and your husband and uh, same thank him for his service to our country. Clint, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time today to bring us your knowledge and experience in real estate investing. Can you let everyone know where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a pleasure being with you guys. I really do appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, you guys can find me on like Facebook uh, and TikTok. I don't have every social media anymore just because it's a lot to keep track of. But uh, yeah, TikTok, uh, I actually do um, post every once in a while, like some of the renos that I've been doing on the properties. So if you guys want to kind of see what I what I do there, you can just go onto my TikTok as well. Okay, awesome. So if you'd like to give Clint a follow, you can check that out in the show notes.
Clint, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And we will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.